Act Three of Fanny and the Servant Problem by Jerome K. Jerome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three. Scene the same. The door left centre opens. Ernest enters with tear and etc., which he proceeds to add to the other tea arrangements on table right centre. He leaves the door open. Through it comes the sound of an harmonium accompanying the singing of a hymn. The voices come from below. Fanny enters left. She is dressed more cheerfully than in Act Two, but still seemly. She has a book in her hand. She pauses, hearing the music, goes nearer to the open door and listens, then crosses and takes her place at the table. The music ceases. Another prayer meeting? Ernest nods. Huh, I do keep them busy. Do you know what they call you downstairs? What? The family cross. I'm afraid it's about right. What have you been doing this time? Swearing again? Worse, I've been lying. Ernest gives vent to a low whistle. Said I didn't know what had become of that yellow poplin with the black lace flounces that they've had altered for me. Found out that I'd given it to old Mother Potts for the rummage sale at the vicarage. Jane was down there. Bought it in for half a crown. You are risky. Why, you might have known. Enter Vernon, left centre. He is in golfing get-up. He throws his cap onto the settee. Hello. Got a cup of tea there? Ernest goes out. Yes. Thought you were playing golf. Just had a telegram handed to me in the village. From your friend Newt. Wants me to meet him at Melton Station at five o'clock. Looks at his watch. Know what he wants. Haven't the faintest idea. She hands him his cup. Is he coming here? Or merely on his way somewhere? I don't know. He doesn't say. Don't let him mix you up in any of his ventures. Dear old George, he's as honest as the day. But if he gets hold of an idea, there's always thousands in it for everybody. I'll be careful. Ernest has left the door open. The harmonium breaks forth again, together with vocal accompaniment as before. What's on downstairs, then? A party? Bennett is holding a prayer meeting. A prayer meeting? One of the younger members of the family has been detected telling a deliberate lie. Vernon is near the door listening, with his back towards her, or he would see that she is smiling. Black sheep, I suppose, to be found in every flock. Music ceases, Ernest having arrived with the news of Vernon's return. Vernon, returning to the table, having closed the door. Good old man, you know, Bennett. All of them. So high-principled. You don't often get servants like that nowadays. Seems almost selfish keeping the whole collection to ourselves. Upon my word it does. But what can we do? They'll never leave us. Not one of them. No, I don't believe they ever will. You know, I sometimes think that you don't like them. Fanny makes a movement. Of course, they're a bit bossy, I admit. But all that comes from their devotion. Their... The wonder to me is that, brought up among them, admiring them as you do, you never thought of marrying one of them. Marrying them? I didn't say them. I said one of them. There's Honoria. She's pretty enough, anyhow. 
So's Alice, Charles Bennett's daughter, and Bertha and Grace, all of them beautiful. And what's even better still, good. She says it viciously. Didn't you ever think of them? Well, <laughs> one hardly marries into one's own kitchen. Isn't that rather snobbish? You say they're more like friends than servants. They've lived with your people side by side for three generations, doing their duty honorably. There's never been a slur upon their name. They're high-principled, you know it. They've better manners than nine-tenths of your smart society, and they're healthy. What's wrong with them, even from a lord's point of view? Vernon, recovering himself. Well, don't pitch into me about it. It's your fault if I didn't marry them. I mean, one of them. He laughs, puts his empty cup back on the table. Maybe I'd have thought about it if I hadn't met you. Fanny, she laughs, takes his hand in hers. I wish you hadn't asked Newt any questions about me. It would have been so nice to feel that you had married me just because you couldn't help it. <laughs> just because I was I and nothing else mattered. Let's forget I ever did. He kneels beside her. I didn't do it for my own sake, as you know. A man in my position has to think of other people. His wife has to take her place in society. People insist on knowing something about her. It's not enough for the stupid county that she's the cleverest, most bewilderingly beautiful, bewitching lady in the land. <laughs> and how long will you think all that? Forever and ever and ever. Oh, you dear boy. She kisses him. You don't know how a woman loves the man she loves to love her. <laughs> Isn't that complicated? Not at all. We're just the same. We love to love the women we love. Provided the county will let us. And the county has said, a man may not marry his butler's niece. <laughs> You've got butlers on the brain. If I ever do run away with my own cook or my underhousemaid, it will be your doing. You haven't the pluck. The county would laugh at you. You men are so frightened of being laughed at. Vernon, he rises. Well, if it saves us from making asses of ourselves. Wasn't there a niece of old Bennett's? A girl who had been brought up abroad and who wasn't a domestic servant? Never had been. Who stayed with them here at the gardener's cottage for a short time some few years ago? You mean poor Rose Bennett's daughter? The one who ran away and married an organ grinder? An organ grinder? Something of that sort, yes. I had her over, did all they could. A crazy sort of girl. Used to sing French ballads on the village green to all the farm labourers she could collect. Shortened poor Bennett's life by about ten years. <laughs> Laughs. Fanny joins him. But why? Not going to bully me for not having fallen in love with her, are you? Because that really wasn't my fault. Never even saw her. Twas the winter we spent in Rome. She bolted before we got back. Never gave me a chance. I accept the excuse. <laughs> no, I was merely wondering what the county would have done if by any chance you had married her. Couldn't have said you were marrying into your own kitchen in her case, because she was never in your kitchen. Absolutely refused to enter it, I'm told. It would have been a nice point, as they say in legal circles. If people had liked her, they'd have tried to forget that her cousins had ever been scullery maids. If not, they'd have taken good care that nobody did. Enter Bennet. 
he brings some cut flowers, with the placing of which he occupies himself. I did not know your lordship had returned. I found a telegram waiting for me in the village. What's become of that niece of yours, Bennet? Your sister Rosa's daughter, who was here for a short time and ran away again. Ever hear anything about her? Bennet, he has left, his back to the room. Very quietly he turns, lets his eyes for a moment meet Fanny's, then answers as he crosses right. The last I heard about her was that she was married. Satisfactorily? Bennet, arranging flowers, right. Looking at it from her point of view, most satisfactorily. But looking at it from his, more doubtful? She was not without her attractions, her chief faults, I am inclined to think, were those arising from want of discipline in youth. I have hopes that it is not even yet too late to root out from her nature the weeds of indiscretion. And you think he is the man to do it? Perhaps not. But fortunately, there are those about her fully alive to the duty devolving upon them. Hmm. Sounds a bit like penal servitude for the poor girl, the way you put it, Bennet. Laughs. Even penal servitude may be a blessing if it serves to correct a stubborn spirit. We'll have to make you a J.P., Bennet. Must be jolly careful I don't ever get tried before you. Laughs. Is that the cart? Bennet, he looks out through the window. Yes, your lordship. Vernon, he takes up his cap. I may be bringing someone back with me. To Fanny, who throughout has remained seated right centre. Why not put on your hat? Come with me. Fanny, she jumps up delighted. Shall I? Your ladyship is not forgetting that today is Wednesday? What's the odds? There's nobody to call. Everybody is still in town. It has always been the custom of the Lady Bantocks, when in residence, to be at home on Wednesdays. Perhaps better not. It may cause talk if, by chance, anybody does come. I was forgetting it was Wednesday. Fanny sits again. I shan't do anything without consulting you. Goodbye. Goodbye. He goes out, slams the door. You think it wise, discussing with his lordship, the secret history of the Bennet family? What do you mean by telling him my father was an organ grinder? If the British public knew the difference between music and a hurdy-gurdy, he would have kept a butler of his own. I am not aware of having mentioned to his lordship that you ever, to my knowledge, even had a father. It is not my plan, for the present at all events, to inform his lordship anything about your family. Take care, I am not forced to. Because my father, a composer who had his work performed at the Lamoureux concerts, as I can prove because I've got the program, had the misfortune to marry into a family of lackeys, I'm not talking about my mother, she was never really one of you. She had the soul of an artist. Bennet, white with suppressed fury, he is in front of her. His very look is enough to silence her. Now you listen to me, my girl, once and for all. I told you the night of your arrival that whether this business was going to prove a pleasant or an unpleasant one depended upon you. You make it an easy one for your own sake. 
with one word I can bring your house of cards about your ears. I've only to tell him the truth for him to know you as a cheat and a liar. She goes to speak. Again he silences her. You listen to me. You've seen fit to use strong language. Now I'm using strong language. This boy who has married you in a moment of impulse, what does he know about the sort of wife a man in his position needs? What do you, made to sing for your living on the Paris boulevards, whose only acquaintance with the upper classes has been at shady restaurants? He didn't want a woman of his own class. He told me so. It was because I wasn't a colorless conventional puppet with a book of etiquette in place of a soul that he was first drawn towards me. Yes, at twenty-two. Boys like unconventionality. Men don't. They've learnt its true name, vulgarity. Do you think I've stood behind English society for forty years without learning anything about it? What you call a colorless puppet is what we call an English lady and that you've got to learn to be. You talk of lackeys. If your mother, my poor sister Rose, came from a family of lackeys, there would be no hope for you. With her blood in your veins, the thing can be done. We Bennets. He draws himself up. We serve. We are not lackeys. All right. Don't you call my father an organ grinder. I won't call you lackeys. Unfortunately, that doesn't end the trouble. The trouble can easily be ended. Yes, by my submitting to be ruled in all things for the remainder of my life by my own servants. Say relations, and it need not sound so unpleasant. Yes, it would. It would sound worse. One can get rid of one's servants. She has crossed towards the desk. Her checkbook lies there half-hidden under other papers. It catches her eye. Her hand steals unconsciously towards it. She taps it idly with her fingers. It is all the work of a moment. Nothing comes of it. Just the idea passes through her brain, not for the first time. She does nothing noticeable, merely stands listless while one might count half a dozen, then turns to him again. Don't you think you're going it a bit too strong, all of you? I'm not a fool. I've got a lot to learn, I know. I'd be grateful for help. What you're trying to do is to turn me into a new woman entirely. Because that is the only way to help you. Men do not put new wine into old bottles. Oh, don't begin quoting scripture. I want to discuss the thing sensibly. Don't you see it can't be done? I can't be anybody else than myself. I don't want to. My girl, you've got to be. Root and branch, inside and outside, before you're fit to be Lady Bantock, mother of the Lord Bantocks, that are to be. You've got to be a changed woman. A pause. And it's going to be your job from beginning to end, yours and the rest of you. What I wear and how I look is Jane's affair. My prayers will be for what Aunt Susanna thinks I stand in need of. What I eat and drink and say and do, you will arrange for me. And when you die, Cousin Simeon, I suppose, will take your place. And when Aunt Susanna dies, it will be merely a change to Aunt Amelia. 
and if Jane ever dies, Honoria will have the dressing and the lecturing of me, and so on and so on, world without end, forever and ever. Amen. She has crossed a window, stands looking out. Before that time, you will, I shall hope, have learnt sufficient sense to be grateful to us. He goes out left centre. Funny, she turns, walks slowly back towards the tea table. Halfway, she pauses, and leaning over the back of a chair, regards in silence for a while the portrait of the First Lady Bantuk. I do wish I could tell what you were saying. The door opens. The Mrs. Wetherall come in. They wear the same frocks as in the first act. They pause. Fanny is still gazing at the portrait. Don't you notice it, dear? Yes, there really is. It struck me the first day. To Fanny, who has turned. Your likeness, dear, to Lady Constance. It's really quite remarkable. You think so? It's your expression when you are serious. I must try to be more serious. It will come, dear. They take their places side by side on the settee. Younger, to her sister with a pat of the hand. In good time. It's so nice to have her young. I wonder if anybody'll come this afternoon. Elder, to Fanny. You see, dear, most of the county people are still in town. Fanny, who is pouring out tea, laughs. I'm not grumbling. Oh, you'll like them, dear. The Cracklethorpes especially. To her sister for confirmation. Bella Cracklethorpe is so clever. And the Angles. She'll like the Angles. All the Angle girls are so pretty. Fanny brings over two cups of tea. Thank you, dear. Elder, as she takes her cup, patting Fanny's hand. And they'll like you, dear. All of them. Fanny, returning to table. I hope so. It's wonderful, dear. You won't mind my saying it, how you've improved. Fanny winces. Of course it was such a change for you, and at first... Turns to her sister. We were a little anxious about her, weren't we? Fanny has returned to them with the cake basket. Elder, as she takes a piece. Bennett. She lingers on the name as that of an authority. Was saying only yesterday that he had great hopes of you. Younger. Fanny is handing the basket to her. Thank you, dear. I told Vernon. He was so pleased. Fanny, her brows contract. She bites her lip. Vernon was? He attaches so much importance to Bennett's opinion. Hmm. I'm glad I appear to be giving satisfaction. She has returned to her seat at the table. I suppose when... You go to town. You take the Bennets with you? Elder, surprised at the question. Of course, dear. Vernon didn't wish to go this year. He thought you would prefer... I was merely thinking of when he did. Do you ever go abroad for the winter? So many people do nowadays. We tried it once, but there was nothing for dear Vernon to do. You see, he's so fond of hunting. 
younger to her sister. And then there will be his parliamentary duties that he will have to take up now. Fanny rises abruptly. You're not ill, dear? No, merely felt I wanted some air. She goes to the window. You don't mind, do you? She flings a casement open. Not at all, dear. To her sister. It is a bit close. One could really do without fires. Fanny remains by the window. If it wasn't for the evenings. And then, of course, the cold weather might come again. One can never feel safe until... The door opens. Dr. Fremantle enters, announced by Bennett. The old ladies go to rise. He stops them. Don't get up. He shakes hands with them. How are we this afternoon? He shakes his head and clicks his tongue. Really, I think I shall have to bring an action for damages against Lady Bantock. Ever since she... Hush! She points to the window. Fanny? Here's Dr. Fremantle. Fanny comes from the window. Dr. Fremantle. He meets her and takes her hand. Was just saying, I really think I shall have to claim damages against you, Lady Bantock. You've practically deprived me of two of my best-paying patients. Used to be sending for me every other day before you came. Now look at them. The ladies laugh. She's not as bad as we expected. He pats her hand. Do you remember my description of what I thought she was going to be like? <laughs> She's a dear girl. Bennett. Fanny, she has crossed to the table, is pouring out the doctor's tea. Oh, mightn't we have a holiday from Bennett? Dr. Fremantle laughs. Ah, he seems to be having a holiday himself today. A holiday? Didn't you know? Oh, there's an awfully swagger party on downstairs. They were all trooping in as I came. I'd no idea he was giving a party. To Fanny. Did you, dear? Fanny. She hands the doctor his tea. Yes, it's a prayer meeting. The whole family, I expect, has been summoned. A prayer meeting? Didn't look like it. But why should he be holding a prayer meeting? Funny, she is about to hand him the cake, wearily. Oh, one of the family. And why twelve girls in a van? In a van? Funny pauses, the basket in her hand. One of Hutton's from the station hotel. With a big poster pinned on the door. Our Empire. Fanny has put down the basket. She crosses swiftly, rings a bell. What's the matter, dear? I'm not quite sure yet. Her whole manner is changed. A look has come into her eyes that has not been there before. She speaks in quiet, determined tones. She rings again. Then, returning to the table, hands the plate again to the doctor. Won't you take one, doctor? They're not as indigestible as they look. <laughs> Dr. Fremantle, 
In common with the old ladies, he is bewildered at the changed atmosphere. Helps himself. Thank you. I hope I... Enter Ernest. Fanny. She turns to him. Her tone, for the first time, is that of a mistress speaking to her servants. Have any visitors called for me this afternoon? V- visitors Some ladies. Ernest. He is in a slough of doubt and terror. L- ladies Yes. Please try and understand the English language. Has a party of ladies called here this afternoon? There have been some ladies. They... Uh, we? Where are they? They... I... Send Bennett up to me. Instantly, please. Ernest, only too glad to be off, stumbles out. My dear. You'll take some more tea, won't you? Do you mind, Doctor, passing Miss Wetherell's cup? And the other one? Thank you. And will you pass them the biscuits? <laughs> you see I am doing all I can on your behalf. She is talking and laughing a little hysterically for the purpose of filling time. Tea and hotcake. Could anything be worse for them? Well, tea, you know. I know. You doctors are all alike. You all denounce it, but you all drink it. She hands him the two cups. That one is for Aunt Wetherell of the beautiful hair, and the other is for Aunt Wetherell of the beautiful eyes. <laughs> it's the only way I can distinguish them. Bennett enters. Oh, Bennett. You sent for me? Yes, I understand some ladies have called. I think your ladyship must have been misinformed. I most certainly have seen none. I have to assume, Bennett, that either Dr. Fremantle or you are telling lies. A silence. A party of overdressed young women claiming to be acquainted with your ladyship have arrived at a van. I am giving them tea in the servants' hall, and will see to it that they are sent back to the station in ample time to catch their train back to town. Please show them up. They will have their tea here. Both up to this point have spoken with studied quietness. Both feel this is a fight to a finish. Bennett. Her very quietness is beginning to alarm him. It shakes him from his customary perfection of manners. The Lady of Antocks do not, as a rule, receive circus girls in their boudoir. Funny, still with her alarming quietness. Neither do they argue with their servants. Please show these ladies in. I warn you. You heard my orders. Her tone has the right ring. The force of habit is too strong upon him. He yields savagely and goes out. Her whole manner is changed. A load has been lifted from her. For the first, even if it be for the last time also, she is going to be mistress in her own house. She turns to the doctor. So sorry I had to drag you into it. I didn't see how else I was going to floor him. Splendid! He grips her hand. Fanny. She goes to the old ladies, who sit bewildered, terrified. They won't be here for more than a few minutes. They can't be. I want you to be nice to them, both of you. They are friends of mine. She turns to the doctor. They're the girls I used to act with. We went all over Europe, twelve of us, representing the British Empire. <laughs> they are playing in London now. Tonight. He looks at his watch. 
Funny. She is busy at the tea table. Yes, they are on the stage at half past nine. You might look out their train for them. She points to the timetable on the desk. I don't suppose they've ever thought about how they're going to get back. It's Judy's inspiration, this, the whole thing. I'd bet upon it. She always was as mad as a March hare. Dr. Fremantle, busy with the timetable. They were nice-looking girls. Yes, I think we did the old man credit. <laughs> John Bull's daughters, they called us in Paris. Bennett enters, announces... Our Empire. Headed by England, the girls, laughing, crowding, jostling one another, talking all together, swoop in. England. Oh, my dear, talk about an afternoon. We have had a treat getting here. Fanny kisses her. Scotland, they also kiss. Your boss told us you'd gone out. It was a slight misunderstanding. Then it take away these things, please, and let me have half a dozen bottles of champagne. Straight settlements. A small girl at the back of the crowd. Hooray! Bennett, he is controlling himself with the supremest difficulty. Within, he is a furnace. I'm afraid I have mislaid the key of the cellar. Funny. She looks at him. You will please find it. Quickly. Bennett, again from habit, yields. But his control almost fails him. He takes up the tray of unneeded tea things from the table. I shall want some more of all these. Cakes, fruit, sandwiches, etc. And some people to wait. Tell Jane she must come and help. Bennett goes out. During his passage of arms between mistress and man, a momentary lull has taken place in the hubbub. As he goes out, it begins to grow again. He does tease you, don't he? Wanted us to have tea. In the kitchen. Yes, these old family servants. Africa. She prides herself on being quite the lady. Don't talk about him, dear. We had just such another. She turns to a girl near her. Oh, they'll run the whole show for you if you let them. It was Judy's idea, our giving you this little treat. Don't you blind me for it. Wales, a small, sprightly girl. Well, we're all together, with nothing better to do. They'd called a rehearsal and then found they didn't want us, silly fools. I told them you'd just be tickled to death. Fanny, laughing, kisses her. So I am. It was a brilliant idea. By this time she has kissed or shaken hands with a whole dozen. I can't introduce you all singly, it would take too long. She makes a wholesale affair of it. My aunts, the Mrs. Wetherell, Dr. Fremantle. The Mrs. Wetherell, suggesting two mice being introduced to a party of friendly kittens, standing left, clinging to one another, making an heroic smile, murmur something inaudible. Dr. Fremantle, who is with them to comfort them, he has got rid of the timetable discreetly, smiles. Delighted. Charmed. Some of the girls behind her murmur similar ejaculations. To Fanny. Glad we didn't strike one of your busy days. I say, you're not as dressy as you used to be. How are they doing you? All right? Yes. Oh, yes. Canada. Gertie, a big, handsome girl. George gave me your message. Fanny, puzzled at first. My message? Remembering, 
Oh, that I was Lady Bantock of Bantock Hall. Yes, I thought you'd be pleased. Was delighted, dear. So glad. I'd always had the idea you were going to make a mess of your marriage. What a funny idea. But the laugh that accompanies it is not a merry one. Wasn't it? So glad I was wrong. We're all of us looking out for lords in disguise now. Can't you give us a tip, dear? How to tell them? Suki has broken it off with a boy. Found he was mixed up in trade. Straight settlements. As before, unseen at the back of the crowd. No, I didn't. Twas his moral character. Enter Honoria with glasses on a tray. Ernest with champagne, Jane with eatables, Bennett with a napkin. It is a grim procession. The girls are scattered, laughing, talking. Africa to the Mrs. Wetherall, a couple to Dr. Fremantle. These are all near the settee. Others are by the window. England, Scotland, Wales and Canada are with Fanny right centre. The hubbub with the advent of the refreshments increases. There is a general movement towards the centre. Thanks, Bennett. You can clear away a corner of the desk. England, aside to her. Go easy with it, dear. Fanny, smiling, nods. She crosses to desk to direct operations in a low tone to the Bennets, who take her orders in grim silence and lips tight shut. Don't forget, girls, that we've got to get back tonight. Aside to the doctor, who has come forward to help. Some of them, you know, ain't used to it. Dr. Fremantle nods. Glass is not too full. He crosses, whispers to Fanny. Ireland, a decided young woman. How much time have we got? Don't ask me. It's Judy's show. Wales, mimicking Newt. The return train, ladies, leaves Oakham Station. Stops. She is facing the clock. She begins to laugh. <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> We've got just quarter of an hour to catch it. There is a wild rush for the refreshments. Jane is swept off her feet. Bennett's tray is upset. Quarter? Oh, my God! Here, tuck up your skirts, girls. We'll have to... It's all right. You've got plenty of time, ladies. The excitement calms. To England. There's a train from Norton on the branch line at 5.33. Gets you into London at a quarter to nine. You're sure? Dr. Fremantle. He has his watch in his hand. Quite sure. The station is only half a mile away. Don't let's miss it. Keep your watch in your hand, there's a dear. Fanny. Her business is, and has been, to move quietly through the throng, making the girls welcome, talking, laughing with them, directing the servants, all in a lady's way. On the whole, she does it remarkably well. She is offering a plate of fruit to Judy. You're a nice acting manager, you are. Wales laughs. <laughs> she finds herself in front of Ireland. To England. Won't you introduce us? I beg your pardon, dear. Of course you don't know each other. Miss Tetsworth, our New Ireland. Lady Bantock. It is Bantock, isn't it, dear? Quite right. It's a good little part, isn't it? Well, depends upon what you've been used to. She's got talent, as I tell her. But she ain't you, dear. It's no good saying she is. 
Fanny, hastening to smooth it over. People always speak so well of us after we're gone. <laughs> You'll take another glass of champagne? They are near desk. Thank you. You made a great success, they tell me, in the part. Oh, there's a deal of fluke about these things. You see, I had the advantage. Dr. Fremantle, with watch still in hand. I think, ladies... Come on, girls. A general movement. You must all come again. Spend a whole day, some Sunday. Remember me to Vernon. He'll be so sorry to have... England, cutting in. Hope we haven't upset you, dear. She is bustling them all up. Not at all. She is shaking hands with the girls. It's been so good to see you all again. Hurry up, girls. There's dears. They have all passed her. Goodbye, dear. Kissing her. We do miss you. I'm glad you do. Oh, it ain't the same show. The others are crowding out of the door. She and Fanny are quite apart. She glances round. No chance you're coming back to it, I suppose. A moment. Well, there, you never know, do you? Goodbye, dear. Kisses her again. Goodbye. She stands right, watching them out. Bennett goes down with them. Ernest is busy collecting debris. The Mrs. Wetherill are left, their arms around one another. Dr. Fremantle stands left, looking at Fanny with an expectant expression. Jane and Honoria stand each side of the table, rigid with set faces. After a moment, Fanny goes to the open window. The voices of the girls below crowding into the van come up into the room. Calling down to them, Goodbye. You've plenty of time. What? Yes, of course. All right. Goodbye. She turns, comes slowly back into the room. She looks at Jane and Honoria, where they stand rigid. Honoria makes a movement with her shoulders, takes a step towards the door. Honoria. Honoria stops, slowly turns. You can take away these glasses. Jane will help you. Bennett re-enters. It's not my place. Your place is to obey my orders. Bennett, his coolness seems to have deserted him. His voice is trembling. Obey her ladyship's orders, both of you. Leave the rest to me. Honoria and Jane busy themselves with Ernest setting the room to rights. May I speak with your ladyship? Certainly. Alone, I mean. I see no need. Bennett, her firmness takes him aback. He expected to find her defiance disappear with the cause of it. But, pig-headed as all Bennets, her opposition only drives him on. Your ladyship is not forgetting the alternative? The old ladies have been watching the argument, much as babes in the wood might have watched the discussion between the two robbers. Elder, in terror. Bennet, you're not going to give notice. What my duty may be, I shall be able to decide, after I have spoken with her ladyship alone. Dear, you will see him. I am sorry. I have not the time. No, of course. Appealing to Bennet for mercy. Her ladyship is tired. Tomorrow. Neither tomorrow, 
nor any other day. Vernon enters, followed by Newt. She advances to meet them. You've just missed some old friends of yours. She shakes hands with Newt. So it seems. We were hoping to have been in time. To Newt. The mare came along pretty slick, didn't she? Bennett, he has remained with his look fixed all the time on Fanny. May I speak with your lordship a moment in private? Now? It is a matter that needs to be settled now. It is the tone of respectful authority he has always used towards the lad. Well, if it's as pressing as all that, I suppose you must. He makes a movement towards the door right. To Newt. Shan't be long. One moment. Vernon stops. I may be able to render the interview needless. Who is mistress of this house? Who is mistress? Who is mistress of your house? Why, you are, of course. Thank you. She turns to Bennet, who has remained left. Please tell Mrs. Bennet I want her. I think if your lordship... At once. She is looking at him. He struggles, looks at Vernon. But Vernon is evidently inclined to support Fanny. Bennet goes out. Fanny crosses and seats herself at the desk. She takes from a drawer some neatly folded papers. She busies herself with figures. Vernon, he crosses to his aunts. Whatever's the matter? She is excited. She has had a very trying time. Bennet didn't like the idea of her receiving them. It was that minx Judy's doing. They'll have the rough side of my tongue when I get back. All of them. What does she want with Mrs. Bennet? I can't think. Vernon and the Mrs. Wetherill are standing in a group together, Newt below them a little apart. Dr. Fremantle is by himself left, an interested spectator, awaiting developments. Jane, Honoria and Ernest are still busy about the room. Newt, suddenly, the whole thing comes to him. His hands go up and his mouth opens. He turns. Mrs. Bennet, followed by Bennet, enter. Newt sees it is too late. His hands make a gesture of despair. He shrugs his shoulders, moves away farther left. Dr. Fremantle has been watching. He smiles grimly. Your ladyship sent for me? Yes. She half turns, holds out a paper. This wages sheet is quite correct, I take it. It is your own. Mrs. Bennet, she has crossed. She takes it. Quite correct. Fanny, she tears out a cheque which she has written, hands it to Mrs. Bennet. You will find there two months' wages for the entire family. I have made it out in a lump sum payable to your husband. The other month is in lieu of notice. A silence. The thing strikes them all dumb. She puts the checkbook back and closes the drawer. She rises. I'm sorry. There's been a misunderstanding. It's time that it ended. It has been my own fault. To Vernon. I deceived you about my family. If there's been any deceit... My scene, please, George. Newt, knowing her, shrugs his shoulders and returns again in silence. I have no relations outside this country that I know of. My uncle is Martin Bennett, your butler. Mrs. Bennett is my aunt. 
Bennet has remained left. Mrs. Bennet is right. Jane, Honoria and Ernest are just above her right. I'm not ashamed of them. If they'd had as much respect for me as I have for them, this trouble would not have arisen. We don't get on together, that's all. And this seems to me the only way out. As I said before, I'm sorry. Again, a silence. Nobody knows what to say. But, but why did you? Fanny, her control gives way. She breaks out. Oh, because I've been a fool. It's the explanation of most people's muddles, I expect, if they only knew it. Don't talk to me, anybody. I've got nothing more to say. To Bennett. I'm sorry, you wouldn't give me a chance. I'd have met you halfway. To Mrs. Bennett. I'm sorry. Don't be too hard on me. It won't mean much trouble to you. Good servants don't go begging. You can depend upon me for a character. To Jane? You'll do much better for yourselves elsewhere. To Honoria? Don't let that pretty face of yours ever get you into trouble. To Ernest? Goodbye, Ernest. We always were pals, weren't we? Goodbye. She kisses him. It has all been the work of a moment. She comes down again. Don't think me rude, but I'd like to be alone. We can talk calmly about it all tomorrow morning. To the Mrs. Wetherill. I'm so awfully sorry. I wish I could have seen any other way out. The tears are streaming from her eyes. To Vernon? Take them all away, won't you, dear? We'll talk about it all tomorrow. I'll feel gooder. She kisses him. To Dr. Fremantle. Take them all away. Tell him it wasn't all my fault. To Newt. You'll have to stop the night. There are no more trains. I'll see you in the morning. Good night. Bennett has collected his troop, leads them away. Dr. Fremantle, kindly and helpful, takes off Vernon and the two old ladies. Newt. He grips her hand. Good night, old girl. He follows the others out. Fanny crosses towards the windows. Her chief business is dabbing her eyes. The door closes with a click. She turns. She is right centre. She puts her handkerchief away. She looks at the portrait of Constance, First Lady Bantock. I believe it's what you've been telling me to do all the time. Curtain. End of Act Three.